Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network is a Moonsault Media production and is intended for private use only. For more information, contact RetromaniaPodcast at gmail.com. I am a real American. Fight for the rights of every man. I am a real American. Fight for what's right. Fight for your life. And what you gonna do? Hey everybody, and welcome to Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network, a retrospective pro wrestling podcast network where we romanticize, fantasize, watch, and review your favorite or not-so-favorite storylines, matches, events, and or feuds from your pro wrestling past. I'm one half of the hosting squad, Kobe Nida, and I am joined here with the mayor of Kicking Out at Two, the man who holds it down up north in those, uh, in those, in that territory up, up north. Dave Rosenbluth, everybody. Dave, how's it going? A territory up north, I like it, yeah. Is this the New York territory? Yeah, you're, you're up there, yeah. Even though I'm from Connecticut, this is the New York territory, okay. Yeah, and you, like keep, you keep saying Maryland's in the south, so I'll, 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 I'll go with that for this. No, you say Maryland's in the south. <laughs> <laughs> but that's another story for another day. I'm excited to be a part of this. This is, uh, this is I'm a fish out of water, man, when it comes to this, so... I'm really looking forward to uh, contributing to this uh, to this uh, project here. This is your baby, so you're going to lead, and I'm going to follow, and I'm really looking forward to how that's all going to play out. Yeah, this is going to be fun. This is Hulkamania is Dead, The Return, episode 16. Um, if you haven't caught up, um, you can go back into our illustrious archive, our packed archive over... 300 hours of content there, 218 episodes that Dave and I have provided for you. Uh, there's a show there called Hulkamania is Dead. Start from episode one. Or you can go back and listen to that recap episode that we dropped about a month or two ago. Uh, Dave and I ran down all the events that uh, Jimmy and I had booked at the beginning half of Hulkamania is Dead. It's essentially the story of what if Hulk Hogan left the territory in 1984, never got his big moment, he got his leg broke and he was done and he was out. What would WWF look like without Hulk Hogan from 1985 to 1993? And that's where we're at right now. We're in the year of 1991 and we just finished and wrapped up with WrestleMania 7. So episode 14 was WrestleMania 7. If you want to go back and listen to all those episodes in the archive, you can find us on any podcasting app by searching Retromania with the W. Podbean is our home. Uh, you can find us on Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, searching Retromania with the W. And Dave, I can't thank you enough for joining me on this road. You've been doing some fantasy booking yourself, so I think you're 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 geared up for this enough. Um, w- what's been going on in kicking out at Two Land? You want to tell everybody before we get into um, this? Yeah, I mean, you know, we're we're in a we're in a period of uh, self isolation, if you will. Um, and uh, so by the time this recording drops, I don't know when you. You plan to drop this uh, probably as soon as possible, but um, you know we, we, we've uh, I've spent a lot of time building up the, uh, the, the the content for 
Chicken Out or two on the network. I pretty much have all the way, you know, I have April, May, and June all the way recorded. So uh, there's going to be a lot of uh, content uh, put out um, in the coming months. I've had a lot of time on my hands. But uh, this week, uh, a self-isolation watch party of the episode of Monday Night Raw from April the 3rd, 1995, uh, the, night that, uh, the night after WrestleMania 11. This was the first live episode of Monday Night Raw, the night after WrestleMania. This was the really the beginning of like when the WWF, WWE at the time, uh, would start to change the direction of their storylines following WrestleMania. This was like the, the first real big major episode of Raw that did that. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we, we would see... Um, Shawn Michaels turned babyface after Sid Vicious or Psycho Sid attacked him following his loss to Diesel at WrestleMania. Um, we would see a Lunger Blaze Bull Nakano in a women's championship match that was originally supposed to be a part of that WrestleMania 11 card. Um, and we would also see the allied powers Lex Luger and the British Bulldog Davey Boy Smith make their Monday Night Raw tag team debut um, on this episode. wasn't anything real special. Uh, other than maybe the, the Sid attacking Sean moment, but we do that watch along um, from start to finish on the WWE Network. And uh, just a note for the, uh, the the audio technicians that listen to this show, the quality of the audio is not the greatest because uh, due to this self-isolation period, my wife has had to uh, to take over my studio and use the laptop for her work. She said to work from home, so therefore I had to record all of the, uh, the, the next several episodes of Kicking Out of Two on my iPhone. So, um, I, uh, so the quality might not be the greatest, but, uh, I do the best I can, uh, given the circumstances. So, uh, you know, hopefully you guys enjoy it. You know, then the next few weeks we got watch alongs set up with an episode of Monday Nitro from April the 15th, 1996, two episodes of ECW on TNN, April the 21st and April the 28th of the year 2000, both respectively, and, uh, some great content, uh, coming your way. I'm checking out it too. Awesome. Great stuff, man. Um, and you can always find you on Facebook, searching Kicking Out It Too, and you always share a lot of stuff there. It's always fun. You've been sharing a lot of memes since the quarantine. We've had a lot of time on our hands. And yes, we are doing a, we're doing our best to give you guys content right now, given the circumstances. So I think this is our, our era of our podcast network, the given the circumstance era. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I know, right? That was the, that was the, our, one of our last recordings, right? Given the circumstances, yes. given the circumstances, yeah. But um, yeah, so. no, yeah, we we're, we're, we have plenty of time on, on our hands, and you know, I want to be able to. It also gives us something to do, but also I want, uh, for me personally, and I think you could probably you know speak the same sentiment that I, I want to be able to give out content to people that listen and follow the, this, this network and our podcasts. So that you guys have something to look forward to and something to keep your mind off the distraction that is this COVID-19 pandemic. So, you know, if, if we can do that with our ramblings of our wrestling fandom from week to week, then and, and it gives you guys a distraction and, it, and it, you know, you enjoy it, then that's that's what we're doing it for. You know, we, and we appreciate your support. So thankfully, um, you know, we're all healthy, safe, staying safe, staying healthy, washing hands and washing rear ends. And keeping basic hygiene uh, a, a trend, yep. which I don't know how that you know decided not to be a trend. I, I, I didn't know that basic hygiene um, was was uncommon these days, but apparently it's it's, it's being brought back into the trendiness of our of our culture. So um, keep doing that. Keep washing hands. Keep sanitizing. Keep.
keep staying safe. Hopefully, we can all enter, we can entertain you guys with these podcasts each and every week. So, uh, you know, yeah, that's that, that's really all I got to say. Awesome. Well, let's uh, let's get into this episode of Hawkmania is Dead, episode fifteen, covering SummerSlam nineteen ninety one. I'm gonna back it up a little bit. Let's go through the results of WrestleMania seven. Took place March twenty fourth, nineteen ninety one. I'm going to give you some of the results. The Legion of Doom defeated the Bushwhackers to become the new WWF Tag Team Champions. Now, this is a different type of Bushwhackers, as I explained in the other episodes. They're a little more aggressive. They came in and uh, cleared house on the Hart Foundation, as well as uh, the Rockers, and kind of caused a wedge between those groups and uh, split those groups up in a way. And the Legion of Doom coming in here, uh, being big, big... You know, uh, non-selling bullies. They uh, they take over and uh, give the Bushwhackers a good ass beating and become the new tag team champions and get a big pop there. Yeah, um, I'm guessing that this aggression from the Bushwhackers stems from their days as the sheep herders. Exactly, and this era of WWF that we had booked from 1985 to 1991 has been a little more aggressive. It's 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 more blood thirsty. It's it's more realism there. Um, yes, violence. we do. Yeah, violence. Um, it's it's taking a part of the NWA era that was popular around this time. Um, okay. Vince, I like it. Vince I like has kind it. of gone in that direction. Now things will soon change after I give you this rundown. So so hang in there. Okay. Um, then the next result we have SD, the Ultimate Barber Warrior, Papa Shango, Red Rooster Jones. Oh God, he defeated the Renegade Warrior. Now that was the Renegade Warrior was Jim Helwig, and he came in and he had a problem, and uh, the SD. The Ultimate Barber Warrior, Papa Shango, Red Rooster Jones, has adopted so many gimmicks, and this is kind of the comedy spot in our show. Um, but SD, The Ultimate Barber Warrior, Papa Shango, Red Rooster Jones, defeated the Renegade Warrior, and the Renegade Warrior rides off into the sunset. We'll see you later, Jim. We already have the other Blade Runner, Sting. Sorry. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't know what to make of that. Um, you know, that's, that's a... Uh... I mean that's the cartoon. I guess you could say that's that's the cartoonish nature uh, of the WWF in, in this in this booking scenario here. Correct. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, not not one of my favorites, but no. okay. <laughs> exactly. All right, and then next we have Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart teaming up to defeat Jim the Anvil Neidhart and Marty Jannetty. Little swaparoo, little uh, wife swap, if you will. Um, we changed the booking here. Jim became the aggressor and turned on Brett, and Marty ended up turning on Sean. So Sean and Brett were like, hey, look, we can trust each other. We're both good athletes. We've, we've gone to war together. Let's go to war and finish off our rivals. And they set up a special tag team match, and Shawn Michaels and Brett Hart, sure enough, come away with the victory. Wonder what will happen next. Yeah, I don't know. That's an interesting pairing. Um, you know, kind of taking you know the, the two studs of each team and pairing them together against the 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 lesser valued uh, performers in being Janetti and Anvil. That's an interesting uh, that's an interesting uh, combination there for on both ends. But I'm more actually I'm kind of more intrigued that the the combination of Anvil and Janetti is. Mm-hmm. That's something that is 
We shall see because uh, the the drugs the drugs are a little still prevalent in our storyline. Uh, okay. So so Marty and Jim you. might be uh, might be having some hard times here or there. Because <laughs> okay. we do kind of we do kind of mirror what goes on in in the actual storylines too in uh, real time. Uh, so okay. cer- certain things we'll we'll pick out and uh, go with. Um, so that that sense of realism is still there. Gotcha. All right, and then next up we have Rick Rude, the Intercontinental Champion, with Bobby the Brain Heenan. Because when you're heel, your family. <laughs> um, that's his Olive Garden phrase. We're gonna make a shirt. <laughs> when you're heel, your family. And unlimited breadsticks. Exactly. Um, <laughs> So, Rick Rude with Bobby the Brain Heenan successfully defends his WWF Intercontinental Championship against Jushin Thunder Liger. Now, remember, I told you this is kind of like we're taking a page out of the NWA and WCW era where we, uh, we get some of that Japanese flavor over here in the WWF earlier than 1992 or 1993 when Vince would realize, hey, I need a, I need a Japanese fella. So, okay, all right, all right, I'm digging it, I'm digging it, I like it. If you're you're going back to listen to episode 14 uh, covering WrestleMania 7, I did talk about Rick Rude uh, and Jushin Thunder Liger having a great match, and then um, Roddy Piper comes out to make the save after a beatdown, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna hold off. Jushin Thunder Liger fights off Rick Rude and Mr. Perfect, and uh, gets a little, you know, uh, applause from the audience and sends off um and thanks for coming out pal um but roddy piper will make an appearance in this wrestlemania as i continue to break down the results so moving on the next match is the undertaker with paul bear he defeated macho man randy savage with miss elizabeth now this is the debut uh wrestlemania for the undertaker and he's here uh, being a strong heel, he's he's almost come in contact with the title. He's part of the reason that the title was vacated from Sting. Him and Sting uh, had a hell of a brawl, and now he's um, he's he's caught the eye of one Macho Man since they came into contact in the Royal Rumble episode that we dropped, episode uh, 13, I believe. So now the Undertaker has vanquished Macho Man Randy Savage, given him a tombstone and uh, asserted his dominance in the WWF. Very interesting. So, um, uh, did, now, this is just a question I have because I'm, you know, I'm, I'm new to the team. That's um, what we're all here for, yeah. R- Randy Savage, Miss Elizabeth, where do they go from here? What, what, what exactly is, is this? Do they further this with Undertaker or is this the big blow-off between the two of them? This, this is kind of a, a little blow-off. Macho Man has been the uh, been in the forefront of our storylines for since 1985. Um, he's kind of held the throne and tossed it, to, uh, given the torch to Sting. So this is, this is a time period where Macho Man is going to take a break. Um, and he'll return, but he's going to give Sting that little, that little run here and see how he goes. Okay, all right. So, right, I dig it. Yeah, in prior episodes, Macho Man Randy Savage has been on the top of the card. He's been the WWF champion a couple times and uh, has had some big mania moments. So this was another big mania moment for him, uh, suffering a loss, though, but giving a, a good push for The Undertaker here. Okay, interesting. Mm-hmm. 
All right, and then here I'm gonna add in this retcon here. We have the debut of the Nasty Boys at the uh, Royal Rumble, so they get a tag team match against Owen Hart and Coco Beware. Hey, they're here a little bit early, but uh, whatever. The Nasty Boys win. Hey, they're aggressive. They're here. They're nasty. They nasty sized Owen and. What's their, uh, what's their tag team name? Owen and Coco. Oh, ah, uh, hmm. I don't know. Let's let's think of this. High energy. <laughs> That's good. That works. I'm just like coming coming like off that. off the top, you know. They, they got a bright future with that team name. I like that. <laughs> yeah, they're going places. Exactly. To the top. Oh yes. All right. So let me run down the main event here. It's Ric Flair against Sting for the WWF Championship, the vacated WWF uh, Championship. Oh no, I'm sorry. Ric Flair had walked away in the Royal Rumble with the title. Um, so now he is the champion here, and Sting gets his shot after never losing the title. Um, basically had to vacate it after a scrummage with The Undertaker and Jack, President Jack Tunney was like, the title is vacated, it's up for grabs in the Royal Rumble, and then we have Ric Flair picking up the victory and uh, having his championship here. So now, it's the granddaddy of them all, it's him against Sting. During the match, the referee takes a bump from a Stinger splash, as Ric Flair gets gets pulled, pulls Sting in the way. Or pulls the referee in the way, I'm sorry. So the referee suffers a bump. Sting is able to put Ric Flair in a Scorpion Deathlock, and Ric is tapping out, so we have a visual tap out, but the referee is unconscious. Sting then checks on the referee, and Ric Flair takes advantage and low blows Sting. Then he has a visual pinfall on Sting. The referee, Joey Morella, is still down, but is slowly rubbing his back and his head, and he's getting up. But Bobby the Brain Heenan and Mr. Perfect come down, and Mr. Perfect has a chair in his hand. They approach the ring as Ric Flair is waving them in and boasting to the crowd. He stands Sting up and holding him back with his arms. Mr. Perfect takes a swing and cracks Ric Flair on accident with the chair as Sting ducks. Oh shit. Sting covers Ric Flair and Joey Morella goes to count. He sees it one, and then Heenan and Perfect stomp down Joey Morella. All of a sudden, the crowd pops huge. At the entrance of the ramp, it's none other than fucking Roddy Piper with a chair in his hand. Coming down, he clears the house. He clears Perfect, Heenan, and Rick and Sting are just in the ring by themselves. All of a sudden, Earl Hebner runs down, and out of all this ruckus, Rick Flair is able to kind of uh, play a little possum and roll Sting up one, two, three. Oh my God, the crowd is pissed, throwing trash. Roddy Piper is at the ramp after he ran off uh, Heenan and Perfect, and he's none the pleased either. Flair holds up the World Heavyweight title and the WWF Championship, and he is the first heel to win at WrestleMania, and the crowd is not happy at all. Um, and that's how we go off with with Sting and uh, Piper not looking pleased as this uh, this. This moment was supposed to be Sting's, and uh, Ric Flair walked away the heel. And that's your WrestleMania 7 results. All right. Hot finish. I liked it. I like it. Yeah, we got to keep the crowd and the fans wanting more. So, right. where do we go from here? Well, we go to a little bit of change in the booking. So, because of uh, 
the world heavyweight title being shown on TV. They have to blur everything out. WCW is not pleased about their title being there. They demand it coming back to them. That has to get sorted out. So, uh, basically, the world heavyweight title has to go away now. Um, the WWF championship, still in good hands with Ric Flair and in good company with the Heenan family. Um, so, all of a sudden, we have this change-up. Saturday night's main events. You love those, don't you, Dave? Yeah, a uh, staple of my childhood, that's for sure. Yeah, so we talked about this before, how Saturday night's main events kind of compared to the Clash of the Champions, but we kind of wish that Saturday night's main events happened more quarterly like the Clash of Champions. Um, in a way where it was a filler before the leading into the big pay-per-views, the big four, if you will. Um, so Fox ends up buying Saturday night's main event a little bit earlier than usual, and they're going to premiere their first episode of Saturday night's main event on their network in April. And then from there, they'll go again in July, October, December, and February. So it's cyclical in between the paper, the big four pay-per-views we'll have some, uh, Saturday night's main events. So the next one's going to be April 27th, 1991. So let's go to that Saturday night's main event, April 27th, 1991. We have the Bushwhackers open up and they defeat an enhancement team. It's going to be a typical, uh, continuation of the Bushwhackers still have some, uh, some, some flair here and uh, they still want their tag team gold so they, they, they're they pissed and they beat up an enhancement team. Not too much to see there. Yeah, yeah I mean, that's, uh, that's, that's standard operating procedure for WWF. Um, you know, having a, uh, a, a team like the Bushwhackers, especially a more aggressive version of them, um, trying to build them up, especially after that loss Absolutely. Uh, then we have a we have a match for the Intercontinental Championship. It's the British Bulldog going against Rick Rude with Bobby the Brain Heenan. And wouldn't you know it, the British Bulldog wins by a surprise here. Uh, we have a new Intercontinental Championship. Rick Rude and Heenan are not too pleased. Um, Rick Rude was the prized possession uh, for a long time of Heenan, but now he has Ric Flair as the champion, and uh, we, we've we lost the Intercontinental title in the Heenan family. British Bulldog picking up the victory. How would you see this one going? Rick Rude and British Bulldog, Dave. Um, Rude being the technician mm-hmm. and being the master psychologist, uh, definitely dictating the pace of this match, but with Davey Boy's um, strength and power um, being the, uh, the the, the biggest offensive threat to Rick Rude. Um, I could definitely see this, this scenario playing out where Rude um, trying to wear Davey Boy down from time to time, maybe some underhanded tactics, Bobby Heenan being at ringside, distracting the referee, Rude cheating from time to time, whether it's leverage on the ropes and like a rest hold, like a headlock or a sleeper hold, uh, maybe even a foreign object from time to time. But, um, Rude definitely wearing down Davy Boy um, to the point where um, you know Davy Boy being this big, massive, powerful wrestler, um, him using his strength and his power to over 
dirty underhanded tactics of Rick Rude. I could definitely see this playing out where Davy Boy would overcome all of Rude's Bobby Heenan shenanigans and squeak out the victory um, with a power slam or maybe with Bobby Heenan getting involved and finally the referee seeing something and calling for a disqualification and Davy Boy gets the victory. But this this wouldn't be far from over. Absolutely. Um, yeah. <clears throat> so British Bulldogs are new Intercontinental Champions. Intercontinental Champion. Um, so coming up next on the card, we have a big tag match. The two heroes of WrestleMania and the two villains of WrestleMania, um, Sting and Roddy Piper, go against Ric Flair and Mr. Perfect. Wow, this is a big tag team match here, but it's, again, Piper and Flair have so much heat right now between each other that it's it's a little rough. Um, so in this match, um, Piper ends up getting a hold of Perfect and puts him in the sleeper. Sting and Flair are battling on the outside a bit, and uh, the faces pick up the victory. But the heels are still kind of uh, fighting. Sting and Flair fight off into the ramps, and uh, Piper is celebrating, and he he goes off, and uh, that's that's the end right there. Right there. So how, how, how do you see that going, Dave? Just kind of like, you know, Piper and Flair... Uh, you know, the tension there, Sting and Perfect. I mean, Sting is still trying to be the guy, but Piper came in and uh, he's been the guy here before. But that, that heat with him and Flair is something else. I think the heat with him and Flair is going to get to a point where Piper does something to cause some kind of tension in the team with Sting. I mean, it was Piper that made the run and technically saved Sting at WrestleMania, but the two of them still kind of not on the same page because Piper's involvement in the match costing the title. So even though they have a common enemy, they also have issues between each other. I could see at some point this blowing up to being, you know, Piper and Sting down the line. And it being the catalyst being Piper's involvement at WrestleMania. And it just builds and builds from there. Absolutely. All right, next up on the card, we have a body bag match. Holy crap. It's the Renegade Warrior against The Undertaker with Paul Bear. Now, The Undertaker has become a little bit popular um, because of his dominance and the mystique of this character. And you just it's just kind of how it was naturally with The Undertaker, if you, don't, if, if you recall, Dave. Um, everybody just grasped onto him, and within a year, he was, he was, the, he was a face. Correct? Yeah. Um, kind of recap for me a little bit because I'm a little bit lost here. I apologize. Um, you know, Renegade Warrior and and his um, his running with Undertaker here. How we got to this point because I'm a, I'm a little bit lost. I apologize. This is just a a, a blow off a blow off match, a big um, enhancement match for the Undertaker. The Renegade Warrior Jim Helwig is is a body is almost like treated like a Hercules in this storyline. Um, we'll use him, but he's not the guy, um, as Jim Helwig was in real life. We have the Sting that we want. Uh, that Blade Runner is the one that we signed first. So okay. Sting's All our right. guy. Renegade Warrior is kind of here, floating around to be like a, a, a heel, a, a tweener, and The Undertaker is here to make his um, actual kind of like a, a face turn or like become more of a fan favorite. Gotcha. Okay. All right. Um, so this, so now with that being 
said, it just kind of reminds me of the um, the uh, what we originally saw in real time with Undertaker and Ultimate Warrior and how Undertaker was targeting Ultimate Warrior and then eventually leading to those body bag matches. So um, in this situation here, it's kind of similar in the way that they had mapped out that particular story in real time, um, at least from my vantage point, based on what you're telling me and what you're... Um, what you've discussed was that you know Undertaker is such a strong character in this in this scenario in this storyline here, and Renegade Warrior is has his own following and his own dominance. Um, that you know these this collision course between the two of them, I don't really see a whole. I see some. I see something. I see something preventing this from being some sort of finality, kind of like what we saw in 1991 with Undertaker and Ultimate Warrior and the involvement of Jake the Snake Roberts. So I kind of see this story mirroring what took place in real time here. Um, That's just my take, but I could be wrong as well. We'll see. All right, so uh, next up we have a, a tag team match. It's Earthquake and Typhoon, the natural disasters, going up against High Energy, Owen Hart and Coco Beware. Earthquake and Typhoon dominate this match. Owen and Coco try to uh, get some get some uh, comebacks here and uh, some high-flying moves, but they just get squashed and swatted by the uh, big giants here, and they squish Owen um, and pin him, give him a double pin, and then they start to beat down Coco after, and all of a sudden... Uh, not to the liking of the one uh, Owen's older brother, Brett comes out, and Sean comes out behind him. They make the save, and they run off Earthquake and Typhoon. And uh, Brett and Sean give their hand to Coco and Owen. Interesting. Yeah, um, this scenario is interesting because, you know, the the Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels that we know in real time, um, you know, separately are two guys who, when the odds are stacked against them, um, their their way of selling as baby faces when the when the when the odds are stacked against them, especially against larger athletes, makes for a more dramatic story. And I think in this instance here, Brett and Sean against the natural disasters, I think would make for some very interesting um, scenarios, especially um, in, a, in whether it's in singles or in tag team uh, matches. I think the the two smaller, uh, more athletic wrestlers like them against these two big monsters i think makes for a very interesting david goliath uh, scenario yeah very good storytelling um so much like saturday night's main event the the main event is always some crappy match wasn't that always the case it's the nasty boys against an enhancement team oh the nasty boys are still dominant and they pick up a victory here against some no-name jobber team and that's your main event wait before we go off the air holy crap it's Piper. He's in the back laid out. What? He's holding his hip. Uh, paramedics are there. What's going on? We're, we have to go off the air. Oh. Well, that was your Saturday night's main event from April 27th, 1991. Ooh, a little suspense. Little, okay. little suspense. Who did it? Yep. The who, the who did it angle. I like it. The it. Now, I mean, most times you can just go with the obvious case here, but we'll see what happens. Um... In the weeks leading up to the next Saturday night's main event in July, building up for this SummerSlam uh, card here, 
we're going to have President Jack Tunney announcing that Piper has been um, out indefinitely and he's not cleared for action. He's uh, suffered an injury and the, uh, the person who is basically caused this injury will be... Um, will be held accountable and fined once that is found out. So we have a mystery on our hand right now. But nonetheless, Piper is out of the picture for a little bit. Hmm. So I wonder, he, if that, I wonder how that, yeah, that's, uh, that, that, I like that, I like the end, that cliffhanger, because like you said, Saturday Night's Main Event always ended with like a, a shitty match mm-hmm. um, because it was on late night TV, but I like that that was the, the thing that we closed the show with. That was a, a nice little hook. Yep. And then building up to uh, Saturday night's main event on the episodes of um, the main event or superstars of wrestling, Tunney announces that there will be a contract signing for a rematch between Sting and Ric Flair for their SummerSlam match. And there's going to be a special stipulation and a special enforcer announced for this match. Huh. So we'll see on Saturday night's main event in July. Let's go to that. Uh, we have the LOD here, the tag team champions, going against Rick Rude and Mr. Perfect with Bobby the Brain Heenan. Now the Heenan family is, uh, they've been known to keep, keep in uh, close quarters. They are definitely not adhering to CDC's uh, quarantine rules of six feet. Um, this, this family's tight. Um, <laughs> Rude, Rude and Perfect are, are a great tag team here, so they want to prove that they could uh, knock off the old-timers LOD. And, of course, Rude, Perfect, and LOD in real life have a, uh, have a, have a good relationship. They all know each other. Um, they all go back to those uh, Michigan days, right? Minnesota. Minnesota. Sorry. Sorry, Minnesota. Minnesota. So uh, this, at, this match actually ends in a double countout. How do you see this one going down, Dave? Um. LOD being the aggressors, getting the best of Rude and Perfect, um, you know, the majority of the match, uh, but Rude and Perfect being the technicians that they are, kind of wearing down the powerful LOD, um, maybe we get a situation where, um, you know, Rude is, Rude's got Animal in a front face headlock, and, and Animal is slowly inching his way to make the tag to Hawk, but, uh, Mr. Perfect distracts the referee as he makes the tag. Hawk gets the tag, comes in, uh, but the referee didn't see it. And then Perfect and Hawk, or Perfect and Rude double team Animal, only for Hawk to come in. And then that's when all chaos ensues. All four guys in the ring. Then they eventually make it out of the ring, um, and the referee counts them all out. And we have ourselves a double count out. There you go. Um, nice little feud, though. Uh, definitely can see this one continuing to go and uh, I would like to see a result actually um, alright next segment we have the funeral parlor ooh it's the undertaker and Paul Bearer here um, they are talking about all the people that undertaker has put away especially in the body bag um, a couple months ago from renegade warrior and since then he's put away some other monsters uh, but a cloaked figure appears on the video wall, and it's 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 a it's it's a muffled voice. We can't really understand it too well, but it talks about the Undertaker's uh, dark rain and cloud is is essentially being overshadowed by a stronger, darker force. 
and uh, the Undertaker and Paul Bear are kind of curious. And as you know, in the funeral parlor, there's always a casket there. Um, as the Undertaker and Paul Bear are watching the video wall, all of a sudden the casket door opens, and who is it? It's Abdullah the Butcher. And he comes out and attacks the Undertaker from behind, stomping him, throwing him into the casket, crashing, cracking his head into the casket. Um, we, we have a mayhem here. And it's Abdullah the Butcher is being held back by referees and officials, and the Undertaker is the first time uh, incapacitated. Wow. Wow. I, I, like, I like the Abdullah the Butcher twist. Uh, I like that a lot uh, because... Um, you know he's he's a, he's he's an enigma, mm-hmm. okay. And Undertaker being another enigma, but now Undertaker, there's there's sympathy for Undertaker because this other enigma, this more opposing figure like Abdullah the Butcher, this more dangerous figure, has gotten the best of him, and kind of adds some, uh, some 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 depth to the Undertaker character. I, I like this. I like this a lot. Yeah, this is, uh, this is like I said, this is the turn for Undertaker, and there is also a darker force at play here that, uh, that wants to put the Undertaker away. Hmm. So we'll see where this goes. Next up on the card, we have that strong tag team of Brett and Shawn Michaels. They want to show off their talents and uh, be pushed up the card. They go against a, a stronger tag team that they faced from their old days of the Hart Foundation and the Rockers. They go against the Demolition. And guess what? They pick up the victory. How would you see this one going, Dave? Um, demolition and the Rockers, uh, probably. No, no, demolition and against Sean and Brett. Oh, okay. I'm sorry, my mistake. Um, now this demolition, it's Axe and Smash, right? There's no crush. Or no is the crush. Part of this. No crush. Right. Okay, so it's Axe and Smash. All right. Um, uh, I I think. I think I think Brett and Sean come out the victors of this match. I think um, this builds them up to, to earthquake and typhoon and natural disasters. But they they need to show that at the expense of demolition, they need to show a little bit more of an aggressive side to to prove that they are capable opponents against two big guys like the natural disasters. Absolutely. So they uh, they pick up a victory here. I I, uh, I would assume that they continue to use their uh, their finish of Shawn Michaels using the super kick and Bret Hart leading into a um, into a sharpshooter, um, and these guys just picking up the victory here and asserting their dominance. And like you said, they're they're on a collision course for earthquake and typhoon, and they 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 beat up two uh, two big um, two big opposing forces here. All right, next up on the, the card, we have the Warlord going against the Big Boss Man. And during this match, all of a sudden, it's... Oh, my God. No, not again. It's SD, the Ultimate Barber Warrior Papa Shango Red Rooster Jones, but he's got a red shirt on now with a nightstick or a buzzer. He's, he's a Mountie as well? Oh, my God. It's SD, the Ultimate Warrior, not a Mountie, Papa Shango, Red Rooster, Jones. <sighs> That's a lot of gimmicks. He comes and attacks uh, the boss man with the nightstick, and we get a DQ here. Um, I guess he's jealous of the boss man being the enforcer, and he's, uh, he's uh, asserting his uh, territory for, I guess, law enforcement. Hmm comedy segment 
Clearly. Um, <laughs> I mean, this is your brainchild, pal. I don't know where to go from here with this one. This, that, you, you, you're totally going to book this one on your own. I really can't. I, I guess I had to be there for the beginning of this to, yeah. for, to, to really appreciate it's, the, it's essentially the, SD Jones has just built up. He's got the Ultimate Warrior uh, face paint with tassels. He's also got um, shears for the barber and uh, also a red, you know, Mountie shirt. And then he's got uh, some voodoo doll stuff on him and uh, rooster, rooster hair all over him as well. So it's a, essentially um, a, an amalgamation of all those gimmicks that uh, yeah. Vince loves. Like I said, this is your brainchild. <laughs> I mean, um, there must have been a lot of heavy drugs during this booking meeting. Uh taking place um a few rolled up dollar bills and uh you know a couple of bong hits and uh this this was the creation of it so um yeah all right i, I really can't comment okay. <laughs> any more than that moving on we have greg the hammer valentine the uh part-time substitute teacher coming in uh he's he got called back in for action going against the million dollar man ted dibiase who uh he, he wants to come back into the limelight and he wants to be he wants to be appreciated again, but Greg the Hammer Valentine picks up a quick victory and the crowd pops. Million Dollar Man is not happy about this. Eh, that's a just a quick segment there. And no, any thoughts? Um, I mean, it's, yeah, yeah, it's, it's filler. It's filler. Yeah, it's filler. All right, moving on to the big main event here for the Saturday night's main event. Sting and Ric Flair come down to have their contract signing. They cut promos on each other, and then the special enforcer is announced, and he comes down, and Ric Flair is in shock. It is Andre the Giant. Wow. He's going to be a special outside enforcer for this match at SummerSlam coming up between Sting and Ric Flair. Best two out of three falls match. For the WWF World Championship. Ric Flair, you're in trouble, buddy. What do you think, Dave? Yeah, I like this. I like Andre's involvement um, as the special enforcer. He's a big dude. He's an imposing figure. And it leaves the, it leaves the room open for possibilities of what he could do following this, regardless of the result. Um, quick question. Andre, um, is he a special attraction? Does he wrestle? Is he still hurt? Like, what's... He, um, what's, what's the whole deal with Andre? He hasn't wrestled in a, a few years, but he was the champion for a long time, um, and he kind of went out on a big, on a high note with uh, with Macho Man giving him the slam at WrestleMania three, as we brought up. Um, so he hasn't really been seen too much then uh, since then. So he's been kind of like the Andre the Giant, um, you know, getting movie roles, but still acting. He's and coming in as a special attraction, essentially. Yes. Okay. All right. I like it. I like it. So the fans pop huge. I mean, it's Andre the Giant returning, and what what the hell is Ric Flair going to do now? Sting's like, ha-ha, yeah! So we'll see how it goes. SummerSlam 1991. Let's flash forward to it. August 26th, 1991. It is SummerSlam. Million Dollar Man was uh, none pleased with Greg the Hammer Valentine picking up a victory, so he has employed a, uh, a new member of his Million Dollar Corporation, and it's the debut of IRS. In our opening match on the pay-per-view of SummerSlam, IRS coming out 
and defeating Greg the Hammer Valentine with, Mach- with Million Dollar Man in IRS's corner. Not too much to talk about here, it's just IRS debuting and uh, Million Dollar Man coming back into the picture, but more as a manager. Next up on the card, we have a tag team match. It's Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels going against Earthquake and Typhoon. Hey, there's that tag match that we talked about. Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels pick up the victory. Dave, how do you see this one playing out? You talked about it earlier. Yeah, more of the same, pretty much. You know, um, the, the big men taking the advantage um, and, uh, you know, using their size to their to their strength over the two smaller Michaels and Brett, but, you know, the, the ability of Michaels and Brett to come from underneath against these big guys, I think, is going to be the, 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 the true um, story in this uh, this rivalry here, you know, to trying to outsmart them um, because they don't have the size on them. So uh, that that's, that's where I see part of this going. But I also could see them teasing the idea of Brett and Sean splitting up, you know, during this period of time, like these two guys can't get it done against the natural disasters because of their size. And therefore, um, you know, this leads to some kind of tension between the two of them. Are they a good team? Did they make the right choice for teaming up and leaving their old partners behind? You know, um, was the grass always greener on the other side, so to speak? Um, maybe they, maybe they're better off going back with their original partners. Yeah. I actually, uh, see this one happening with, with Sean trying to, uh, having to res- resort to a little bit of a heel or a dirty trick to uh, help the team win. Uh, Sean pulls the rope down and Typhoon spills over as Brett is able to uh, pick up a, um, a pinfall. So the team manages to win there, but, that, you know, Sean is like, shit, I had to do a lot to get, you know, to get us over. Uh, yeah. Moving on the card... We have SD, the ultimate bar, bar warrior, not a Mountie, Papa Shanga, Red Rooster Jones going against the big boss man. This one ends in a DQ because both men cannot stop playing with their nightsticks. Anyhow, moving on, we have the Nasty Boys going against the Bushwhackers. Now, these are two heel teams here, but uh, like I said, sometimes we follow on the NWA WCW side. They would just book heels against heels and see what happened. Um, the Nasty Boys pick up a victory here against the Bushwhackers. How would you see this one, Dave? Um, Ugly, I think. Very physical yeah. between both teams because both teams have a very physical style. Um, this is the kind of rivalry that I could picture them going in the more, you know, no disqualification route with different types of, you know, no disqualification-centric matches, whether it's Texas Tornado, street fights, even a cage match. Um, didn't think I would say this in this scenario, but based on the way that you know you and Jimmy had portrayed the Bushwhackers as a more aggressive team, this kind of reminds me of the same path the Nasty Boys took in 1994 in real time when they wrestled Cactus Jack and Max Payne in WCW in those very physical, um, you know, no disqualification type matches. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so the Nasty Boys. Picking up the victory there, asserting their dominance over the Bushwhackers. Next up on the card, we have the Intercontinental Championship. It's the British Bulldog going against the Warlord. And the British Bulldog defeats the Warlord, much like they had a match at uh, SummerSlam uh, before, in real time. So, uh, British Bulldog 
retains and uh, continues. WrestleMania, actually. Yes, yes. I'm sorry. Yes. In real time. Sorry. Yes. No, you're, 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 that's why you're here. Um, so, yeah, British Bulldog defeating the Warlord. Not too much to talk about there, but Bulldog is our intercontinental champion and a strong face for the company. Yeah, I mean, I, I like Davey Boy as the Intercontinental Champion. It's a, it's a, it's a solid progression for him. Um, you know, someone who in real time and in this scenario looks like has tons of potential to be bigger than he, than he is. Uh, I think the Intercontinental Championship is a good place for him. Awesome. Uh, moving on, we have the tag team titles. It's Rick Rude and Mr. Perfect with Bobby the Brain Heenan defeating the Legion of Doom to become the new WWF Tag Team Champions because of a distraction involvement of the Nasty Boys. Oh. Dave, how do you see this playing out? Well, I didn't see the Nasty Boys involved because I was kind of hoping that my scenario of them and the the Bushwhackers was going to evolve, but, you know, that could be something that's revisited at a later date. But, you know, another team that the Nasty Boys could get real physical with, the Road Warriors, and the history that those two teams have, physical style matches, you know, no disqualifications. Um, I I, I like that pivot, and also it kind of adds some um, some more prestige to the Heenan family now that Rick Drew and Mr. Perfect are the tag team champions, along with Rick Flair as the WWF champion at this current time. So, I'm liking that the Heenan family is kind of like this this booking scenario's version of the Horseman, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. with all the gold. So I, I'm definitely digging it. Yeah, the Heenan, the Heenan family four. Uh, but we only have three right now, so we'll see. Uh, next up on the card, we have the Undertaker with Paul Bear going against Abdullah the Butcher. And how do you see this one going? Um, probably these two guys just kind of tearing each other apart, not having any regard for anyone else, um, doing anything they can to um, to get at each other, uh, throwing the rule book out the window, seeing a lot of that. Um, I could definitely see more more matchups between these two in, like, you know, casket matches, um, you know, graveyard matches, whatever, body bag matches they could find a body. It'd be interesting if they could, Undertaker could build a body bag big enough for Abdullah the Butcher. Uh-huh. Uh, might need even two body bags. Uh, but yeah, I definitely see this. It, this isn't the end of it. Mm-hmm. Let's just say between these two, it's only it's only beginning. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Do you think Undertaker gets Abdullah up for the tombstone to put him away, or just a choke slam on this one? Um, I'm going to choke slam. I don't okay. think he's going to choke slam. I'm standing in the ring. I think Abdullah. Um, I think Abdullah makes his way up to the second rope. And then uh-huh. trying to almost like splash Undertaker, and Undertaker catches him, you know, a, a, a thrust to the throat, and then um, kind of like does like a 180 choke slam, like off the second rope, using the momentum of Abdullah um, and slamming him down to the mat, making for a good visual. Um, and I think too, also what could be factored into this scenario is can Undertaker get Abdullah off his feet? You know, uh-huh. can Undertaker slam him or, you know, tombstone him? Um, and the only way that he could get him off his feet, per se, is with a little help from Abdullah off the second rope in that, like, 180 reverse choke slam. Nice. Yep. Good stuff there. Undertaker uh, continuing on and, uh, you know, definitely definitely becoming a face for sure here um, throughout this feud with Abdullah. 
Then the main event. It's the two out of three falls match for the WWF World Championship. It's Sting defeating Ric Flair with the special enforcer Andre the Giant. Dave, how do you see this one going? A classic from Sting and Ric Flair, I'm sure, because these guys always put on a hell of a match. Agreed. I, I can't see anything other than that. I think Andre plays a factor in preventing the Heenan family from getting involved. Yep. Um, I don't think he's too much of a factor. I don't think he's a factor in terms of the results of Sting defeating Flair, but I no. think he's just there for security purposes to make sure that other members of the Heenan family don't get involved in this situation. But it's certainly going to pivot to Andre having to go through the Heenan family. At least that's how I perceive it. Absolutely. And, and of course, uh, Andre was with Heenan before, so we had, uh, we had a little confusion leading up to this where uh, Heenan and Ric Flair maybe teased that Andre was still in their pocket. And uh, no, Andre proved himself to be uh, a, a huge giant face and uh, ran off the family, maybe even taking a swing at a... Uh, uh, rude or f- uh, perfect, and uh, maybe even getting a choke on Heenan during this to run them off, and uh, yeah. But Sting, with all with without any uh, involvement or collusion here, picks up two falls over one to Ric Flair and is now our WWF champion once again, and it's 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 back home with Sting, and uh, we have the fans celebrating and going home happy here. And Andre the Giant giving the big pat to Sting and uh, lifting his arm up at the end. Very cool. I like it. Yeah. So that is your SummerSlam 1991. Where do we go from here? What happens with Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels? What happens with the Nasty Boys and LOD? Rick Rude and Mr. Perfect and the Heenan family picked up the tag team titles, but they lost the WWF championship. Ric Flair is none the pleased. Undertaker and Abdullah the Butcher, will that continue? Who is this dark force? And Million Dollar Man? He's got a corporation that he's trying to uh, trying to fund again. So uh, we'll see who else he brings in after IRS. And uh, British Bulldog is our reigning intercontinental champion. Sting is our world champion. All is well with those titles and the WWF. Uh, Dave, thank you for joining me. How, how do you feel? Um... Okay, I, I, like I said, I'm still trying to grasp all the, the, the different storylines, different characters, and story arcs, but um, I'm, I'm, I'm going along for the ride. I'm taking it as it comes. So uh, th- this was interesting, and I definitely look forward to, uh, to continuing this, uh, th- this path on the, uh, the, the journey that is uh, Hulkamania is dead. Absolutely. Thank you for joining me, and everybody, thank you for listening. You can always find uh, archive episodes of Retromania or any Kicking Out at Two episode by searching Retromania with a W. Please like, share, rate, review, and subscribe. It helps us grow. Dave, you stay safe during this quarantine, and we'll be back in a week or so with uh, episode 16 of Hulkamania is Dead. Thank you, everybody. All right. Sweet.